Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and I will be hosting this episode. I don't have a guest. It's just going to be about around 20 minutes of me talking about a topic that was brought up to me by a friend, one of the fastest humans on the planet with a golf club in his hands, Josh Koch, that was looking for a kind of resource for people about why they should be lifting weights at different speeds. And so that is really all that I'm going to be talking to you about. It's a relatively complex topic that I'm trying to simplify down into just the bare bones essentials of what you need to know about the benefits that you can get both in rehabilitation and in performance from trying to go into the gym and not just get stronger, but move weights at different speeds. So I hope you really get a lot out of this episode. I think whether you're an athlete or just an, uh, a parent or an adult that wants to learn a little bit more about your body and how you can get more out of your own training to both stay healthier, rehabilitate an injury, or improve your performance, I think you're going to learn a lot today. All right, I'm going to just be jumping right into this today and talking about why we should be lifting weights at different speeds. So I think a lot of times when we talk about strength training or going into work with a strength coach, most people just think about going into the gym and moving really heavy weights slowly, trying to improve your max, the max weight that you can lift. Um, and that's really the goal is going up from being able to front squat 100 pounds to 150 pounds to 200 pounds and that by doing that, you're going to improve your athletic performance. And if you're an athlete, or really any type of athlete, whether that's a runner, um, really a golfer, or a competitive team sport athlete, that's really not necessarily the goal. Um, we really want to not just improve the max strength, but improve several other things as well. So overall, this is gonna be a really complex topic uh, that I'm going to try to simplify as much as I can today. This podcast was actually inspired by a friend, um, Josh Koch. He's a world long drive competitor who's one of the fastest human beings on the planet with a golf club. And he was asking me for um, like resources on talking about this topic that's called the force velocity curve um, that he and I were discussing. And I sent him something and he asked if I had anything kind of for lay people because what I sent was relatively complex unless you have a pretty good background in um, training and in exercise physiology and you understand some of these concepts and there isn't really a lot that I've come across that tries to break it down and explain it to just everyone like might be mis listening to this podcast parents um, athletes college athletes high school athletes etc um, how you really want to approach your time in the weight room so overall in athletes in general the best athletes are typically going to be the ones that can produce really high force outputs in really short time frames this is going to vary sport to sport how long those time frames are so um, looking at sprinters it's exceptionally high force outputs in some of these shortest time frames less than 0.02 seconds typically with their foot on the ground in Baseball players, this is again, you can look at how long do they have to generate forces. They're either hitting a ball or throwing a pitch, 
golfers, same thing. Um, basketball players, how high can they jump? How much force can they put into the ground and redirect their body vertically? We can keep going through um, different sports and coming up with just these different kind of force time continuums. But typically, almost no matter the sport, the best in the world can generate extremely high forces at really fast speeds. So the question that you should be asking if you want to improve your athleticism is should I train to produce more force or should I train to move faster? And the answer, as with most things, is, is really see all of the above. We want to do both if we want to be an elite athlete. There's many people that might be um, exceptionally good at one or the other, but they might either have a velocity or a speed deficit or they might have a force deficit, but the best can do both. And what gets tricky with this is then you start thinking about it and often high force training, so trying to train for max force production and high speed training are often inversely related. So if you think of it about your own experience lifting weights, often the heavier the weight, the slower it's going to move. So if we want to improve our ability to generate force quickly and produce high force, how, how does this go together? Um, and so as we dive into this, I'm going to back up because we have to, as I go into this conversation, we have to talk about a concept called intent because when we talk about this force velocity relationship that I'm going to keep going back to, um, we have to assume that the movement intent is very high and that the person that is training and lifting that weight is always trying to move the weight as quickly as possible, no matter how heavy it is. So that really slow moving max effort lift um, where they're really at their one rep max, that person is still trying to lift that weight as quickly as possible. And um, for going to do a vertical jump with no weight that the person is trying to jump as high as possible. If we always have the intent to move really high, they're going to, uh, this relationship is going to apply pretty well. Obviously, if the intent varies, then we're going to see different things. And, um, you know, if someone's like, quote unquote, dogging a lift or just not moving as quickly as they can, um, it would throw this relationship off. But um, for our discussion today, we're going to assume that intent is maximal, where no matter what, we are trying to move the weight as quickly as possible. As a little side note, um, adjusting your intent is really probably one of the ways to get the most out of your training right now that you might not be doing. But just taking every rep and no matter how light or heavy that weight is, trying to move it as quickly as possible is going to help you get more out of your training. It's going to activate more motor units. It's going to improve your rate of force development. It's going to help you run faster and jump higher. And so um, it is one of the low hanging fruit to get more out of your training and not just go through the motions, but really try to go through the motions and move quickly. So let's move back to the original topic here that is talking about this force velocity curve. So once we're giving maximal intent and trying to move the weights as quickly as possible, there is a relatively linear relationship in the real world on how heavy the weight is and how quickly the weight moves. And I think any of us that have done any type of strength training have felt this. So let's take a squat, for example, and let's say that a person had a, a squat where their one rep max was 495 pounds and they could not physically move another uh, uh pound over that. Well, if we put 500 pounds on the bar and it was sitting in the squat rack, no matter how hard that person pushed, that bar wouldn't move. It was above their one rep max. It would just sit there. So the velocity or the speed of this would be zero because the weight is so heavy. 
If we took this to the other extreme and we totally took all the weight off the bar and we went through that same exact squat pattern and it was just the barbell and we went through with that maximal intent, we would almost jump off the ground at the top because the weight was so light. Now, typically there's a relatively linear relationship between these two extremes that as the weight gets heavier, the velocity or the movement speed is going to decrease assuming the effort stays consistent throughout. So that is the force velocity curve that we're going to uh, take. And there are going to be individual examples of people that struggle at one specific aspect of the force velocity curve. And maybe they're more what we call like a force dominant athlete that they do better at high forces and low movement speeds, but struggle on the other end with high movement speeds and, and lower forces or vice versa. The athletes that are very fast and can uh, move really quickly, but struggle to generate force high amounts of force even if they have a long time. So there's going to be individual differences, but typically this relationship is relatively linear. So why do we care about this and how does it relate to the original topic of this podcast, which is that we want to generate or we want to lift weights at different speeds? Well, there's going to be an athletic performance and injury reduction benefit to working at weights across this entire spectrum. We can't in the same movements, we can't both improve maximal force production and maximal movement speed. We just talked about that it's essentially an inverse relationship. So the way that we, if we want to be, build an overall more robust athlete that's going to stay healthier, perform better, um, and be able to adjust to the demands of, of multiple different sports, we want to improve this whole relationship. We want to work across challenging both high force and high movement speed activities. So if you could visualize this uh, linear relationship as a graph, and if you're not very good at imagining, I'm going to get an actual picture of this in the um, show notes on our blog, but I'm gonna walk you through it. So if we had a graph, the vertical axis is weight and the horizontal axis is movement speed. So for example, a one rep max deadlift would be very high on the weight axis, very high, and very low on the movement speed, essentially very near zero on that horizontal axis. And then if we went to the other side, sprinting or throwing a baseball would be essentially zero in the weight or five ounces on the weight, very, very light. So low weight, very, very high speed on that um, horizontal axis. And then you know jumping or something like that would be somewhere in the middle of those two. So that's the uh, sort of linear relationship that you could envision. The goal of good training for an athlete, or and again, I, I think this is really true for just even adults that just want to stay healthy for their lifetime and run and jump and play with their kids and play golf, except tennis, etc. But the goal of good training is to move that entire relationship essentially up and to the right. So we're trying to kind of shift that entire curve so that you can move either more weight at the same speed. So again, that one rep max gets higher, but that movement speed wouldn't change. But we could take that same weight that we could barely get off the ground one time and we could start moving that faster so we can move more weight at the same speed. You can move the same weight but faster or you could throw faster or jump higher. So again, we, uh, the weight didn't change but those movement speeds did. So if you can visualize that curve, if we improved our ability to do all of those things, that entire curve would shift up and to the right on that graph. If we only train in the weight room to just move heavier weights at slow speeds. We are really missing the opportunity to shift that entire curve. We might be able to change the angle of that relationship, 
Um, so we might, you know, shift up that, make somebody more force dominant, but now the, the slope of that linear uh, relationship would change. But we wouldn't move, we might not affect their ability to actually move faster, which is one of the things that we're saying is key for sports performance is the ability to apply high force at really high movement speeds. And so we want to shift this entire um, relationship up and to the right. Another example would be if all we did is run, throw, or jump, and this is a common um, thing that we'll hear is, oh, I want to get faster, so I just need to go and run more. Well, yes, I think sprinting should be a component of any speed training program. If all we do is run, throw, or jump, we're just trying to improve at that actual specific skill, we again might help that one side, but we're not going to see that whole improvement across our ability to manage forces and speeds at a variety of different points along that relationship. So this is why it's very important to view the gym or the weight room as uh, an opportunity to improve across all of these spectrums. And maybe not all at one time, but over the course of a year that we're seeing these change um, and we're targeting different areas at different times throughout the year. And it's why it's important to lift weights at different speed but always with max effort, right? So everything comes back to that intent and trying to move it as quickly as we can. So training to improve your one rep max can be important at specific times of the year. Um, Even though if we looked at your goal was say to throw a baseball harder, maybe improving your one rep max strength um, of your deadlift or squat or bench press, whatever, it might not relate to throwing a baseball harder or running faster, but that one property is an underpinning ability to generate high force that's going to help you put more force in the ground when you're throwing a baseball or when you're running. So if we just totally neglect it, we're missing out a part of your athletic development and the overall physiology of your body to create this high force quickly. Um, and so we really want to, again, kind of cover the whole gamut and improve all of these aspects. So. To get just a little bit more specific and out of um, just the kind of vague conceptual physiological concepts here, uh, just to give you an example of how this could actually look when you go to the gym to train this whole curve. So let's say you knew what your one rep max front squat was and you picked a weight that day that you were going to work at 85 to 90% of what that one rep max was. This would be relatively heavy, something you could probably do two, three, maybe four times at the most, but probably not five. Um, and you're going to improve your maximal force production by doing that training that day. So if you went into the gym, you lifted that weight, and uh, you did that for three or four weeks, by the end of that, your max strength would be higher on that squat movement, which is really good. Would that immediately translate to you being able to run or jump higher? Not necessarily. Um, And so a different exercise would be going back in, doing that same front squat, but you, rather than working at 85 or 90% of that one rep max, you worked at 60 or 75%, so a lighter weight, but you still had the intent to move that weight really quickly, so you tried to move that lighter weight as fast as possible. This is going to start training your body in still 60 to 75%, relatively heavy, probably wouldn't be able to jump off the ground with a weight like that, Um, but if you're applying a little bit you're applying force a little bit quicker, it's going to help train your body how to push against heavy things, apply high amounts of force in a shorter time frame. We're going to get a little bit more explosive, if you will, and improve our uh, rate of force development in our muscles a little bit more. 
So let's so that's two different types of doing a front squat. Now let's go and do a squat jump. This time we're going to go even lighter. So we won't even use the one rep max from our uh, front squat. We'll just pick a weight that's about 10 to 20% of your body weight and we'll put that on the barbell. And then we're gonna do a squat jump where our feet actually leave the floor. So this is the f an even faster movement velocity. So now we're having to apply force even quicker, but it is lighter weight still. So we're now kind of shifting down that force velocity curve and starting to move more towards the speed, sp uh, speed aspect, but we're still well above body weight. So the forces are going to be much higher compared to just doing a normal jump. So now we're getting more and more to training your body on how to produce high force at faster movement speeds, which is the goal of what we're saying with many of the elite, the best of the best athletes are able to be very powerful and explosive and produce this high force in short time frames. So doing a, a weighted jump like that is going to be more specific towards goals like that. And then the last thing is we could just still go through that same squat pattern that we've been talking about, but now we're not even going to use a barbell. We're just going to do a jump. This is now the highest movement speed that we've talked about in this series of exercises, um, the most specific to their actual sport performance. We're not necessarily overloading the body though, right? So we're not putting on any external load. We're not challenging that. So if all we did was this, we wouldn't be addressing that force aspect. So this is four examples of the same exact movement pattern, essentially the same exercise that we're able to go through at different movement speeds with different force characteristics to target different training qualities to try to improve an athlete's overall ability to generate force. We wouldn't necessarily do these in the same exact training session, maybe not even in the same training week or month, right? These might be different focuses of different phases of a program over time. And that's why it's important to have a longer term view when we're looking at training and not just one session, but over the course of several months or uh, half of a year or entire year, how are we going to improve your overall athletic performance and where are your deficits? So we could apply that same little progression that I just went through uh, with the front squat to things like bench pressing, deadlifts, step-ups, rowing, etc. Pick your weight room movement that you like and you could apply that same uh, basic principles of more or less weights across the spectrum to try to get more out of some of those movements. Now, how do you know what weights to work at and how do you know what speeds you should target? How do you know where your specific deficits are? That's uh, really the, the key question. Um, in an ideal world, there's actually devices that track movement speeds that you can tell how much weight's on the bar and it will help you select the right weight for the right movements and the right movement speed for the specific quality or property or need that you uh, have when you're targeting a specific type of training. But if you don't have that property or that technology, you can still get pretty close by feeling out if something's really heavy and you're moving really slowly, something that's a little bit lighter that you're able to move quicker, something that's relatively light but still heavier than your body weight, but now you're really moving fast and explosively. And then obviously no weight where you're moving as quick as you possibly can with a sprint or a jump, something like that. And so by working at a variety of the different weights, you're training all of those physical qualities that will help improve your overall athleticism and not just focusing on one specific area of force or movement speed. Now, 
there is some variability with this, obviously. And as we get with more advanced athletes, we might want to really target one spot, one part of that kind of spectrum where maybe they do have a force deficit or they do have a movement speed deficit. And we want to gear their training towards one of those uh, specific qualities that they struggle with to really target an on-field or on-court uh, performance deficit. But in general, if we're talking for most athletes, especially developing athletes, we want to work across that spectrum and try to move that entire force velocity curve up and to the right to become a better athlete. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because by training, I am primarily a physical therapist and I can't wrap this up without talking about injuries and rehab. Typically in rehab, we will see changes in this force velocity relationship and we may see specific gaps um, or an overall decreased movement speed and force production uh, ability where just that whole curve is now shifted down into the left where we can't produce as much force and we cannot produce it as quickly. And this is probably one of the most common things that we see in athletes that are recovering from injuries, particularly major injuries like uh, coming off of knee surgery, Achilles uh, repairs, shoulder labral repairs, things like that, we'll see these deficits linger. And so often in these situations, we have to start trying to restore those force velocity characteristics and get it back to a more normal um, shape. And then ultimately, again, in rehab, our goal would be to over time shift it up into the left. Now, often we want to start with actually anybody that has a that's coming back from an injury, we start with the force deficit first. Um, but then later in the rehab process, we try to move more and more towards the movement uh, speed, producing force quicker. Uh, the reasons that we have to start with the force side in, uh, initially is a couple of really twofold. There's a safety aspect. So typically right after an injury, we aren't able to safely work at higher speeds. There's often restrictions on impact, jumping, running, that it just would be dangerous to do. And so by that alone, it gears us to slower movements and targeting more force production with everything from isometric holds where there's really no movement speed at all to just slower tempo lifting like what many people go into the gym to do. Eventually, though, um, we also want to look at the movement speed as it's almost like a ceiling effect in rehab. So. If somebody has a max force deficit, it will not let us generate force quickly. So even if it was safe to do jumping or running, the decreased max strength would inhibit our ability to generate that force quickly. So we want to target the deficit of max strength first. Sometimes it actually helps eventually with the speed of force production as well. So just try to summarize this kind of complicated topic in a couple sentences here. Whether you're rehabilitating or trying to improve your performance, you need to get better at both producing more force and generating more force quickly, as well as moving at faster overall velocities. And the best way to do this is to view the gym or the weight room, not just as a place to get stronger, but as a place to move at different speeds with different weights, all with maximal intent. And that by doing that over time, you're going to see an overall shift in your ability to apply force at different speeds and be a better overall athlete. So I hope this was helpful and I hope maybe it changes your perspective of what you're doing when you go into the gym, whether you're an athlete or just an active adult that wants to stay healthy and enjoy sports and recreational activity for the long run, that you don't just go in and try to pick up 
more weight every single time when you go, but you go in and, and you maybe think about trying to move the same weight faster, maybe move a lighter weight faster, do something explosive like a weighted jump, etc. So hopefully this changes your perspective on exactly what we can accomplish in the weight room and give you some backing and a basis into why you want to try to move weights at different speeds over time. So thank you very much for listening to this. I hope you found it helpful and we'll see you guys on the next episode.